This is an IG paid post. The news and editorial staff of the Financial Times had no role in its preparation. Hello and welcome to IG's Decoding the Markets. Joining me on the pod today is Ruth Lee, Economic Advisor at Arbuthnot Banking Group and co-founder of Global Vision. And we're here to talk about the UK, the upcoming general election, the state of the economy and potential investment opportunities. So I really wanted to ask you about the markets to start off with, but I can't really do so without mentioning the general election. I mean, the big bombshell this week seems to have come from Nigel Farage, the fact that his Brexit party won't be standing in the race against the Tories for the seats they won in 2017. Why do you think he's made this decision and why now? Good to have you on the pod as well. I think it's because he basically wants Brexit. He doesn't want to wreck the Conservative Party and it's quite clear that the best way to get Brexit is to get a Conservative government on the 12th of December with a majority. I mean, I have little doubt that the Conservative Party will get the largest number of seats, but will they get a majority? That's the $100 question. And there was the risk that coming up to the election, if the Brexit Party stood in all the seats where the Conservatives held the seats in 2017, they would take Brexit votes from the Conservatives and actually let through either the Lib Dems or the Labour Party, thus denying the Conservative Party a, a majority. So I have little doubt that for Nigel Farage's priority is Brexit. So when we look at the latest Britain elects poll, the Tories have increased their share of the vote from 38 to 39% a day. I mean, you're talking about the fact that there is a chance that they could get a majority, there's a good chance that they could not. What's your hunch? I think my hunch now is that, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed and all sorts of other things, and I'm not really a betting person, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> or at least time I did, last time I did actually have a bet with a couple of people, I lost both of the bets. <laughs> but I, I, I think my hunch is that basically the Tories will now get an overall majority. If the Brexit party had been standing in all those 317 seats the Tories won in 2017, I thought it was very, very touch and go. Do you think there's any kind of behind the scenes deal that might be going on between Mr. Farage and Mr. Johnson? Because it seems as though um, Mr. Farage has done a massive favour for the Conservatives here. What's he going to get in return? Well, we simply don't know, although certainly one of the Sunday papers, which I will not name, was speculating that one of the people within the Brexit party was seen uh, around number 10 in some sort of negotiation. There must have been some sort of negotiation, surely, and who knows what sort of quid pro quo there is. But I really, 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 really do believe that Farage is doing this because he wants Brexit. He doesn't necessarily want a triumphant Tory party, but he wants Brexit. Well, let's talk about Brexit then. I mean, if you think Mr Johnson's likely to get that majority, does that mean we leave with his deal? Well, then he has to get it through the Commons, of course, and he has to get it through the Lords. But assuming he has got uh, an overall majority, and a lot of the new MPs will actually be picked this time, and a lot of the old Remainers, like Philip Hammond, have sort of shuffled off, so to speak, then it's much more likely that he will have a House of Commons that actually will get this deal through. And I must say, the deal is is quite an improvement on Theresa May's deal. And the, the people, especially the parts of the Tory party, the Brexit parts of the Tory party, that was so opposed to Theresa May's deal have now come on side. This is the European Research Group, and there were quite a few of them. So I think there's a very good chance he would then get this deal through Parliament. And, of course, that does mean the withdrawal agreement is accepted, and uh, then so we possibly, hopefully, 
leave on the 31st of January 2020. And Boris has already said that he wants that transition period to go on no longer than the end of 2020, when he hopes, prays, whatever, negotiates the new political relationship with the European Union. Now, I knew we couldn't avoid talking about politics, so let's try and move on to... It's the only thing I'm interested in. <laughs> let's try and move on to the markets and the economy, because we had the latest growth figures this week, which saw economic growth in the UK slow to the weakest rate in almost 10 years. Do you think we're inching closer to a recession? I think we're in just in a period of slow growth. I mean, the, the, when, when the, there was particularly the BBC was getting frightfully excited about the fact that the, it was the slowest growth for nearly 10 years. Be- yeah. It was the year-on-year figure because I, the, in the quarter it was up 0.3. Year-on-year it was 1% or whatever, which is not brilliant. But I, I do think under the circumstances, I, I think the economy is remarkably resilient because there is huge uncertainty around the economy, which my, uh, Mark Carney was discussing the other day. Um, I have little doubt that business investment in particular has been suppressed because of the doubts. And of course, then you do have the slowing world economy. But I think it's slow growth. So we've seen a lot of international investors shun the UK in recent years because of that uncertainty that you talk about. And of course, the cloud around Brexit that it's linked to. Do you think that creates an opportunity to find value within the UK? And if so, where is that to be found? Well, I'm very careful about saying these things because it's not actually my remit to discuss these things. But I must say this, uh, I'm speaking very generally, Mm -hmm. so I'm not giving any investment advice. You do understand that. But I think speaking very generally, the economy has been remarkably resilient. Take away the uncertainties. With any luck, there might be some turnaround in the global economy. Who knows? The, 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 the European Union doesn't seem to be completely out for the count yet. The US economy is growing reasonably well. Under those circumstances, I can see the economy pick up with investment opportunities. What about interest rates? Because we saw the Bank of England keep interest rates on hold at its latest meeting in October. It seems like it's a bit stuck, doesn't really know where to go. Some are saying the next move could be higher. Some are saying it could be lower. What do you think? Well, indeed, that's what actually the bank itself sets, you know. And in fact, there were two members of the Monetary Policy Committee. Seems rather divided. That did actually vote for a cut this time. Um, But Carney is is, is sort of like the the, the sort of rather strange uh, siren that looks both ways. And he was saying, well, if the economy really falls to pieces, then we'll cut interest rates. Uh, But on the other hand, the economy may pick or the pound may fall, inflation may pick up, and then we put up interest rates. Mm -hmm. So I think basically he's not really giving any great guidance to the markets at all. For what it's worth, I suspect there might be another cut in the offing, possibly at the beginning of next year, if we ever get to leaving the EU. (laughs) Um, And after that, very slow increase in interest rates. I mean, as the bankers said, they will be gradual and modest. And in the case of a no deal? The hint of no deal? Well, of course, the $100 question is um, whether there will be a no deal. And, And if we leave on the 31st of December 2020 with no free trade agreement agreed, then presumably there's no free trade agreement. So you, you've got your way through the transition period, assuming it's got through the Commons. But then, of course, there'll be no free trade agreement. It's not the end of the world. It's not optimal. I prefer a free trade agreement, but it's not the end of the world if it happens that we leave at the beginning of 2021 without a free trade agreement. All right. Now that's all we've got time for. Thank you to my guest, Ruth Lee, economic advisor at Arbuthnot Banking Group and co-founder of Global Vision. I'm Victoria Scholar and thank you for listening to IG's Decoding the Markets. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.